Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Katie Matthews with me. She's from Portland, Oregon, and she leads a customer success team um, for a presentation company, for the company called Presentation Company. The Presentation Company. Why don't you take over right now? (laughs) (laughs) We were even practicing this, and I still can't get it right. So Katie, tell us all about what you do, um, how long you've been doing it, how you got started, and all of those things. Absolutely. I, um, gosh, I have been working in like corporate learning for 23 years and I've been working for the presentation company for nine years and I've been working from home since then. I was working kind of part-time when my children were really small, always, you know, dialing in, you know, at a coffee shop over my laptop, but working full-time from home for nine years. That's really amazing that you were able to do that. Cause when I had my young, young kids, my company wouldn't let me work from a coffee shop. So uh, I don't know if you and a lot of your friends were doing that, but it wasn't um, a thing that my friends could do. It's funny. Cause when I look back at, um, I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old. And when I look back at, um, you know, the time and in, in history that it was where I was able to, you know, go meet my friends in the morning. I used to do like a new mom's workout class and then drop off my son at a babysitter and then go and have four hours at a coffee shop where I would get a mocha and like log on to my computer and do a few hours of, of work. That was a really joyful time in my life because I needed the space away from my toddler. I mean, he was wonderful, but it was a heavy duty job. So I'm kind of hoping that that is the era that I'm entering into right now because my youngest just went to first grade for the first time this year. We, um, we were home for her kindergarten. You know how a lot of women that are wanting to return to work, um, look forward to their kid entering kindergarten. I just wanted my kid to go to kindergarten so that I could be home alone working. Right. Right. (laughs) I've been working all this time and it was, um, stressful. Uh, go ahead and tell us more about your experience. It's, it's funny because um, last year with COVID, um, my children, we kept them at home. We, we skipped public school last year. We were nervous that they were going to have to go back um, to, let's see, sixth and eighth grade uh, in the classroom right away. We, mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't know they'd be mostly remote all year, even through public school. So we okay. decided to homeschool yeah. last year. And I have a really flexible company that like supports work-life balance and understands what life was like during COVID. My, um, my ex-husband who I co-parent with works for Oregon State University and has always worked from home as well. So we were able to kind of juggle homeschool with them, but I was joking with a colleague the other day and said, oh my gosh, it's, we call it no school November in Oregon because (laughs) the kids are out of school for like 10 days. It's ridiculous in November. Um, Well, there's Veterans Day. There's this weird Friday after. So they decided to make that like a teacher working day, but not a student day. It's end of the quarter. So there's parent-teacher conferences. There's Thanksgiving. It's just for Portland public schools. It's ridiculous. And I asked my colleague who has um, two school-age children, oh, well, can you work while while they're home from school. And she said, yeah, I can do a terrible job at my job and a terrible job parenting and have, yeah. have it happen at the same time, but it's hard to do both. I think so it's, it's a struggle. Not, not a long-term solution. I think in a temporary mm-hmm. emergency kind of situation, people can pull that off. A lot of people think that if they're going to work from home, they're going to be able to not need big hair. <laughs> yeah. That's a big misconception. Um, when I, in the summertime, now my children are old enough that they can be, they can, you know, ride their bikes or they have these one wheels. They're like 
Um, they're like skateboards that have a motor or something anyway, like an electrical skateboard. Anyway, they can get around town and go hang with their friends. They've got phones. I can track where they are, but, and so I don't have them in camps and stuff during the summer. And they, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we both take them on vacation and stuff, but when they were little, they were in camps all summer long. Cause I needed that time to focus on my job. Cause it's not, it's not a, like I'm working, I'm, I'm at home doing home stuff. I'm literally, I'm, I'm at work when I'm working and I'm, when I walk yeah. in this office, now I'm, I'm working. I'm not oh, I, doing home stuff. <laughs> I have interviewed people who have made it work. Um, but usually it kind of depends on the industry that they're in. Like, you know, not all work from home jobs are the same. I interviewed a woman who, and I don't want to mess up the name of her company, but she is a food blogger Mm -hmm. and she and her husband uh, would cook and then they'd record videos of them cooking and they would take turns with the kids and cooking and and videoing. Um, And they had an older kid who could watch the younger kids while they were both needing to be in the kitchen together. They made it work for years and they still are doing it. So like that sort of thing could work, um, but not everyone is going to have a food blog. Um, some no. people are selling a physical <laughs> product and they're spending a lot of time just maybe like creating it or doing like more like the social media type, you know, little tasks on the computer um, that they can maybe do here and there all day. But it's the people who have like that corporate desk job from home that are in meetings or needing to be, you know, pre- presenting with clients or things like that. It's It's not as easy as maybe some people think it will be. I think that's, I think that's really true. And I think, um, at, at least for my company, since we're kind of in a, uh, intense growth mode right now, mm. we've been very lucky during COVID. We were, we're a virtual training company. We already trained virtually before this happened and being in growth mode, I think that's easier to talk about now about working from home and it being a remote job and what that means mm-hmm. than it was pre COVID where, where it was something that was a little bit more rare to be a virtual company. Right. And in fact, I could, I would say that I spent a lot of time talking to customers and, you know, vendors and being a little bit cagey about the fact that I worked from home, like not really like saying that we didn't have an office that, okay. that I worked from home. And it was a little bit, it wasn't embarrassing. It was just something that didn't seem very buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And now saying, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Portland. I'm, I'm in my home office. I'm in my basement right behind me is literally a a yoga mat and a heater and a bunch of um, like weights so that I can, so I can work out and I can talk to customers and be like, this is what it is. But I also have made my background nice so that when Mm -hmm. I'm talking to people, it comes off, you know, I can't see the yoga mat or the, no, um, (laughs) and And I'm in a closet. I mean, I know some people have, you know, as soon as I turn on the camera, they're like, are you in a closet? And I'd be like, yeah. And I'm proud of it. (laughs) We made it it work. Yeah. And I think, um, it's interesting to me how, um, the breadth of, of how, like what people do to, um, to make it look professional. Mm -hmm. I, I um, was talking to you before we got started and came on and said, oh my gosh, I know my makeup on, I have to go put on makeup. And, and I didn't, I didn't, I, I would like work in my sweaty running. I love, I'm a runner. I would work in my sweaty running clothes because I wasn't on camera. And when I had to be camera ready, it would be like a big deal. Now 
on days that I'm working, I get dressed all the way to my shoes so that I can feel ready to present myself. And, you know, being that my company is all about presenting and, 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 and communicating clearly and having, you know, a message that's clear and, and, and just like, I need to be buttoned up. And so it feels good to be ready, but, um, when you're not on camera, eh, it doesn't matter kind of thing. I have heard the full gamut, I think, of people who feel, you know, that comfort level, like they love the fact that they can work in their comfy clothes. And other people are like, oh, I need to, like you said, get dressed onto the shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm usually not ever wearing shoes unless I'm literally outside. Um, but you're yeah, wearing I, like full shoes right now. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I do have a rule. I always wear pants. Not everybody does. And I have talked about it multiple times because there are, there are a lot of stories out there. Like for instance, say, you know, someone has to go close the door behind them. Like for some reason, like the dog is clawing at it or something. Um, you know, someone will have to stand up and, and go close the door and it's all on camera. And if you weren't prepared to be seen all the way down to your feet, um, you know, I've heard of people having like a, a spider crawl up their leg or a mouse run over their foot and they jump up and are on camera. <laughs> so um, my rule is always wear something on your body. Always wear something. Be prepared for the unexpected. Like sometimes I'm wearing like my nice button down shirt and polka dot pajama pants. And I, I don't care, but um, you know, I can, I can see different roles having in, you wanted to get into that correct, you know, frame of mind to be able to present yourself, you know, for the type of work that you do. Yeah. And I think, um, it, it helps to be in a professional, you know, to, to have like a professional space, even though I've got my workout stuff behind me and my laundry room is on the other side of this door, but it helps me get into that mode. And everyone who works for my company, we work on that with them go like, Hey, how can we set up your background so that when you're on camera, you feel ready to go. Mm-hmm. And they have the, um, you know, Zoom has those virtual backgrounds that are funny. You know, you're like on the, on the beach with the waves going, which is distracting. I find it distracting. Some no, people, I mean, it's funny, but it's like yeah. funny for a second. It was like yeah. funny for a second last March or two mm-hmm. Marches ago. <laughs> yep. And um, I've seen a couple of our clients have professional branded Zoom backgrounds. Hmm. And um, so, you know, everybody looks like they're at the, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever brand it is, you name it at that office. And they've Mm -hmm. got, they've got a branded background and it's nice, but it's, it's also this like sinking feeling, gee, is that person hiding something? You know, it's a little weird Mm -hmm. or if someone's in their bedroom, it feels a little uncomfortable. And I think it's important when talking to customers to not see the inside of anybody's bedroom. Mm -hmm. So how do you make it comfortable, but you're still at home? Yeah. It's a balance for sure. And I mean, I guess sometimes that's privilege talking, you know, like that some people would have that extra space that they could that's use a good where point. if yeah. someone is in their bedroom, at least they do have the option of covering it up, but even what they cover it up with, you know, it, it can be classy or yeah, you know, funny. Yeah, it that's it a depends really on the work point. culture. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, when I first started working for my company, I was recently divorced and living in a two bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had my office in the living room. We mm-hmm. were never on camera and 
then I moved like three different times and I was in a den. I was in a little tiny, a little tiny, um, basically like almost a closet. And then I finally moved here, which I have like this old house. Oh my gosh. It's big. And it's kind of like Winchester mystery house. It's like, there's all these like extra half bedroom things, but, um, when, so I'm in this like strange little furnace room or something down here. But when I first moved in one day, I was sitting there and I was like, why are my feet so cold? And water was coming into my basement. And it was, there was at one point, um, the, the floor kind of goes down and, um, there was actually water in, in, in like a puddle in the corner of my office. And it was, um, horrifying and embarrassing. Oh, no. I didn't want to tell my client, my, uh, my colleagues, yeah, there's some water in my basement. So I have to move my desk over there. I need to move this uphill. So <laughs> it's funny, like it can look all nice, but, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, like um, for those of you that are listening instead of watching today, um, I'm looking at her background and it looks like she's in the living room. She's got a little, is it a couch or a chair behind you? I have a chair that I got on the Buy Nothing Project. You were talking about yes. being part of the Buy Nothing Project. There are mm-hmm. these Facebook groups where you can um, get these chairs and someone offered this chair. My son and I had to take the legs off the chair to get it down my steep basement steps. Mm-hmm. And I happened to get a um you know, golden yellow velvet pillow to put the back there. And it matches the new book that, that my co-founders just put out. And that was a nice nice coincidence. So it looks like I'm in this curated space, Mm -hmm. but it's actually, um, a basement where I I would never have guys. She's got some bookshelves and then also just like a glass shelf with a piece of art on top. And Mm -hmm. it looks like maybe, uh, a little bulletin board type children. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, the picture, the book, the book that you, you just mentioned looks really nice. Oh yeah. So uh, my co-founders who are sister, this, the co-founders of my company, the presentation company are sisters, uh, Lee Lazarus and Janine Kernoff. And they wrote a book. It's called Everyday Business Storytelling. And it's really about providing a simple framework for telling stories when you're talking about maybe boring business topics and people tend to um, they tend to add too much detail and not think about their audience. And we're really trying to solve for that. And that's what our company does is we, is, is we help companies tell better stories when they're communicating business topics and it helps them, um, be more strategic in their careers. So it's personal, it's, it's, um, visual, it's, Taking it is numbers and metrics and charts and turning it into people and places and things. I love the way you're, I love the way you're saying that. It's almost like you, you read ahead of time, but I know that you didn't because we just got to know each other, but yeah. Yeah. I think that I talked to customers all day long. I was talking to someone who was in Dubai and he was in a high rise building. He was there late at night and it was early in my morning yesterday. And he um, said, these engineers are, are dumping all this technical information onto their customers and people are bored and checked out. There's a hundred, hundred words on a page and no one knows what is the core of what you want them to know or do with this technical information and how, how do we help them? So that's an example of the type of conversations that I have with my customers and I do it all virtually from home. And sometimes at 7 a.m. because they're overseas and, and I want to be able to get them in their time zone. And you're in Portland. So yeah. 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 It was 7 a.m. So 
makeup and hair at 7 a.m. <laughs> hey, man, I've been doing <laughs> um, makeup and hair. No, I actually don't usually do my hair ever. I just know this but is like me. I was, <laughs> I was teaching kids in China. So it was 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Even when yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So we're a global training company and we do virtual trainings. I, I'm not a trainer. I am. I'm like, I do a little bit of uh, like frontline sales, people who are, you know, just first starting to become interested in working with our company. I also run the customer success org. So that, so that, that, that bridge between, yes, I want to work with your company to delivering actually the, the training products and that whole customer experience that happens in between, I help, um, you know, shape that experience with the team that works with me. Are you but, um, working more directly with the team or with the clients or both? Really both. Yeah, really both. I love it. It's brand new. It's brand new, a brand new role for me. Okay. How long yeah. have you been in this role? Officially like three weeks. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, but I've been here nine years. I was mm -hmm. one of the earlier employees. Oh, I know what I was saying. Sorry, my brain drifted. Um, our, our, our trainers are global. So just like you were saying, three in the morning, our trainers work around the clock. So mm -hmm. if we're working with a team that's based in India or Singapore, or, um, you know, maybe they're in London, but they want a nine o'clock in the morning class, they're going to be, you know, an East Coast person is signing on at three o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and, and delivering the training. And I don't know how they do it. I'm, I'm super impressed by their, their energy. Now, but, is that a regular schedule for that person? Or is it just a random, like you just show up when you, when we need you? Um, we offer trainings around the clock. So we try to, you know, schedule our trainers to, mm -hmm. you know, take one for the team and not, they're not working at three in the morning all the time. Right. So they're just, they're just probably doing that once or twice a month. There might be some people that actually would appreciate that. Like for instance, I was working those hours because I had young children and I didn't want to have yeah. to have them in full-time daycare. Yeah, actually, when I first started several years ago, one of our um, senior trainers had four children, and she still does. And um, she uh, logs logged on super early in the morning, and really liked those nighttime classes when her kids were young. That's what yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you might as well. I mean, I don't, I'm just giving you advice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> might okay. as well poll people and just be like, you know, who likes these hours? <laughs> you know, do we I think really need true. to ration them out? Right, and I think that that's that that comes. It's funny to uh, work with a virtual team and work with different types of people. Yep, we have um, all different types who of clients and we have all different types of employees and contractors. So we have people who have grandchildren. We have people who are young and have no children. Mm -hmm. And we have people who used to be clients and they loved our work so much. They came and worked for us. Really? And yeah, we have two, we have two who um, knew us well in a, in a client vendor role and then came in and, and became trainers. So it's pretty flattering. To be oh. like, wow, we love your stuff so much. Can so I? So you're working with big corporations. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, our customers usually are like Fortune 500, Fortune 100 customers, where um, they are looking for a partner long term to really shift the way that they're working with each other. 
And so lately, when we first got started, our um, co-founders are from the Bay Area. They grew up in Menlo okay. Park. So we kind of naturally started in tech, right? Um, a lot of our customers were tech and, and uh, HP is one of them. And with Apple and Facebook in the early years, they asked us to help them move training from ILT, instructor-led training, classroom training, to VILT, virtual instructor-led training. Perfect. And we helped them do that. And it was, we helped them do that. And yeah, and then Cisco bought WebEx. This is before Zoom. And we became these virtual instruct, this like virtual experts early, early um, in the early 2000s. And then the, the storytelling thing became a situation where people were asking us, because we we're doing so much consulting with them, how do I do what you do and, and make my presentations not only visually compelling, but how do I not grab a bunch of data and then grab a bunch of um, beautiful, beautiful slides and put them all together in what we like to coin a Frankendeck? How do I, instead of creating a Frankendeck, how do I actually tell a story that's clear and has this through line? And is there a framework and a way that you can teach us to do that? And that was where our storytelling class was born. And it's become really the, the not just the bread and butter of my company, but also, or the company I work for, but also the, the thing that people are really craving, because it's not just stand-up presentation skills. It's not just me staring at the camera while I'm talking to you or... Mm -hmm having the dramatic pause at the right time, how do I really think about what does April need to know? What do April's listeners need to know? And how is this relevant? And how do I say it the right way? No, I'm not perfect and no one is, but how do we do a better job of that? I, want, I wonder how, how, well, first of all, how many years has this company been around? We've been around 20 years. Okay, that, you might have already yeah. said that. That's and okay. I'm assuming that in those 20 years, the styles have changed. Like, you know, you think of like the traditional TED talk style versus, you know, the comedian, like, I don't know, like, I guess different companies probably are looking for a different brand, um, a different delivery. Yeah, I think that's true in some ways. Um, I've, I've been working in this business for 23 years. Maybe that's what I said earlier. Okay. Um, we've been around for 20 for 20 years. The, the presentation company has been around for 20 years, but storytelling is as old as time, right? right. You know, people really, that's how they connect is yeah. through story. And um, I think about something you'd be interested in. Like um, I'm interested in learning more about um, England and English history because I am marrying an English man and I want to understand more about his family. And oh my gosh, I just watched The Crown, which is completely um, all, all uh, uh, dramatized story mm -hmm. of the of the of the you know royal family, but it draws you in because it's a story. Yeah. And that's where, how do we take these boring, unsexy business topics and draw <laughs> you in with a story about why this information matters to, to you know, you and your, your customers. And that's what's different. And we're trying to help people and a lot of different industries do that. And I'm passionate about it, even though, um, you know, I'm not training. I'm not training the storytelling, mm -hmm. but 
I'm passionate about what we're doing and it's cool working for a women-owned business. I can see that being really exciting. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like examples of what that would look like. So one of the things that I keep, I don't know if harping on is the right thing, but like huh. a lot of people forget about ergonomics, like when they start working from home. And I've said this mm. again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the biggest struggles that they've had is pain <laughs> from working at home, like, you know, kind of crouching over um, their laptop, you know, in an inappropriate chair and at an inappropriate height. Mm. Um And started like, I don't know why, but I've been getting a lot of headaches lately. And I could see it rather than just being like, you need better ergonomics to be in like, you know, Sarah, (laughs) you know, and put a name to it and like go through the story of like how things progress and like the the treatment or the way that they were able to solve that problem. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause yeah, if I were, if I said, oh, let's, let's put together a story that, that helps move people towards action around, around, I'm kind of like conflating two things, storytelling and ergonomics and, and, mm-hmm. and working from home. But imagine if you related it to a character named Sarah, or you're relating it to um, all of us who work from home, mm-hmm. here's how we can better take care of ourselves. And here's how we can make sure that our setup is right. For example, um, for me, this is so wild. I worked in an office, in a cubicle with an ergonomic consultant and a special chair for years. And my back hurt all the time. And I remember every time I went on vacation, I'd be like, my back doesn't hurt. It's miraculous. I was in my twenties and my, my back didn't hurt. And, um, when I started working from home, I was nervous about that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, um, a lot of money at first. And I wasn't like setting up a new office. I was just like, I have a laptop, whatever it takes. I'm brand new back in the workforce. I have little children. I'm divorced. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'll just work sitting on this wooden, um, dining chair. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did in a target office, uh, sorry, a target desk. Mm -hmm. And you know what? My back pain went away. I had to sit on something hard all that time. Really? My pain went away. Do you think it was that or could it have been the angle or the height or were you just getting up more often because you had kids? Well, my kids were in daycare all day long at first or in school. So the hard chair was it for you? The hard chair was it for me, but it was also maybe that I was um, more fit. I lifted weights more. And so my muscles were stronger, even though I'd already had children and I was older. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I have, you know, a much, a much more comfortable chair. I've got my feet raised. I have two monitors. I have a big glass table. It kind of matches the glass thing in the background and um, I have space and I'm not hunched over a laptop. I think that's really important. And um, my company is really generous around, or not generous, they're really um, supportive around making sure that everyone's set up for success. And that includes being comfortable. A lot of people like stand up, roll up, roll down. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, but um, a lot of people in my company stand up all day. Are they providing any of the furniture yeah. in addition to any of the computers? They, 
Um, yeah, so um, this desk is provided by my company. All of my equipment, of course, is provided by my company. Um, <laughs> I don't want to deal with another chair going up and down my my um, stairs because this one was so hard. But I keep <laughs> on talking about replacing this chair and putting something nicer back there. But honestly, it's a nice chair. It looks great in the background. Yeah. And it was free. And I keep meaning to like put something fancier back there so that I could go and sit while I'm talking in conversation. Like if I'm in like a heavy duty talking and I don't need to, I don't need to take notes. Sometimes it's nice to go put your feet up and have mm-hmm. a meaningful conversation with whoever yeah. you're talking about. Even if it's um, strategic and you're getting business done, you can still be mm-hmm. comfortable. Let's talk a little bit about your team. How are you communicating? So um, we communicate all. It's so funny because I was worried. I'm an extrovert. I was worried I'd be lonely and isolated working from home. Yep. Now I crave an hour to myself. <laughs> I could turn on the music and just like get crap work done, like the, all the like tasky things. And I did something like that yesterday. I listened to, um, what did I listen to? I can't remember. I think it was like a Spotify mix and got all this work done. But when I'm communicating with my team, we're um, pinging each other over Teams, Microsoft Teams, um, just for quick little messages. I prefer Zoom for Zoom meetings, like the Zoom meeting we're having right now over Mm -hmm. camera. Um, We communicate via a project management system and email and phone, sometimes, sometimes a little texting here and there. Um, or a little like, oh, call me, call me in the car. I'm, I'm taking, I'm going to the doctor, call me mm-hmm. from the car. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, but there is not a shortage of communication at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like constant. Yeah. Um, so you're supporting a team that's uh, running customer success. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what customers, customer success means in more depth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am brand new to this, and I can't remember if we talked about this before or after we started the recording, but um, our company was noticing that we kind of had a disjointed back-end way that we were organized ourselves and our systems. And we know that the training experience that our customers have is a high-end one. They are, you know, highly professional. They are, you know, well thought out. We've got the trainer and producer having this like curated, beautiful, you know, contextualized experience for our clients. And when we're talking to them in sales, we're making sure that we understand their needs and mapping the solution to the needs. And then there's all this in-between stuff, right? There's all this, um, stuff you have to do in order to do business. There are contracts and rosters of names and details and invites to these, you know, these meetings and uh, scheduling and all of that. And what we wanted was a positive, cohesive experience for our customers where they have like their guide through the experience of working with us. And I think it's comforting when you go back to a vendor and you know who your team is. You know that, you know, maybe you had like an, an initial salesperson you talked to, but you know that you have a customer success partner. Like mm-hmm. this person's job is to make sure 
that my team has a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, a, a very, like a, a CSM or a customer success manager is a popular role with all kinds of, um, S, you know, SAAS software. And, um, you know, if you, if you are a customer at, um, for all kinds of different things, you would have like a CSM partner that would help that. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit like that, but for us, we're conducting trainings. So it's all about having, having a, a relationship with someone at our company. And it's not just a name on the other side of the email, you know, you can count on them and they can count on you to like get the, get the work done so that the ultimate goal is met, which is to build a culture of storytelling within the company, not just, oh, just get a training done. Check it off the box, right? It's I wonder if there's any like liaison type relationship with the customer and your customer success team. Like if they didn't feel like they had a great fit with their trainer or some complaint about the experience, would they be able to talk to someone in your team? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that's, that would be the person, you know, making sure that it's a good experience. So Mm -hmm. you can imagine um, we need someone who is reading customer surveys. You know, every participant that goes through a training reads a survey or um, conducts a, uh, fills out a survey afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Hey, I noticed there was this one comment. Let's all talk about it and make sure that this is being addressed with the customer or, you know, oh, I noticed this person said um, that they could use more help around this area. Is this something that we can help with or we can address in some way? So it's really about having having someone that has your back if you're the customer to, to get of, the job done. What kind of training uh, are we talking? Are these Uh, customers going through? Is it like a week or is it a day or an hour? Yeah. Yeah. It's a day of training. If it's on site, we were about 50, 50 virtual and on site before COVID Mm -hmm. it's, it's modules virtually three, three, two and a half hour virtual modules. But there's this, there's this idea now. And I was just talking to that same customer in Dubai yesterday who said, wait, 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 I don't, I don't want just a training. I don't want people to just leave kind of, yeah, that was great. Go back to my work. Same old, same old. Like how do we like create this behavior change and help people leave people with something they can apply right away and some coaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they need to have support. And this is where my team can help as well. Okay. Saying, is your team, you know, checking in saying, is your team uh, using the coaching tools that we left you with and holding one another accountable to the new behavior that we taught and practiced in class. So can you imagine if your teacher called you after taking a university class a year later and said, are you still thinking about, um, the literature that we talked about and, um, applying it to the next, uh, Mm -hmm. writing class that you took? Would they wait a year though? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Exactly. I love um, it. It sounds really interesting. And like, you must have a lot of clients that you're supporting. We do. We do. And it's fun. Um, I think what ends up happening is, uh, well, news travels fast. So, I mean, of course, there's like a marketing team and things like that. But mm-hmm. we often find that a customer loves the work that we've done 
and bringing us in makes them look like a rock star. Mm -hmm. So they end up bringing us in at their new company. In fact, early tomorrow morning, I have a meeting with um, a famous chocolate brand (laughs) with a customer who I adore. And um, she left the company we were working with and um, got this new job. And I'm excited that she wants to bring us in because I mean, gosh, like how flattering is that saying, I want to look good in my new job. And I know you're going to, you're going to help me do that. We love you so much. We want to bring you in. So I'm excited. Maybe I'll get free chocolate. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Do individuals ever hire you or is it generally the, the company? It's generally the company, but we do have an individual offering, but it's an on demand and it is, we're getting great feedback from it. So it's kind of cool to, 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 to see that offering. It's called Everyday Business Storytelling, just like the book. And it's available on our website. I have a question about the virtual training versus the in-person. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that um, people are paying attention to the online modules and to the same degree that they would in person? I love that you are asking about that because this is something that we thought about a lot before we went virtual in 2006, I believe it was, what a common misconception is, is you can just take that, that instructor led training, the training um, design and plop it into the virtual environment and it will be engaging and it really isn't. So that's why we were hired by those companies to help them move their training online because it has to be completely redesigned for the virtual environment. And they are, they are extremely engaging, but they are, they are the same content delivered in a different way because it's a different kind of audience, right? Mm-hmm. It's virtual and you have to use all the virtual tools to um, in, engage your audience. And we call it um, you know, your virtual body language. Cameras more popular now than it used to be. Before it was really using chat and polling, and um, you know, marking up slides as a team. You know, use your pointer. Tell me where you are in the world today. Things like that kind of helps helps keep the keep the customer or the the class engaged virtually. And you have mm-hmm. to change slides a lot. You have to ask questions a lot and having a second person. Now, now you were telling me that you were, you were teaching some virtual classes and um, our instructors are never alone. They always have a producer. So you have this nice banter back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, you need, you need someone there, your sidekick. And are they virtually sidekicks? Like they're in two different places, but they're oh, yeah. working side by side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're the man behind the curtain, right? They're the, mm-hmm. they're the person making sure the polls are set up because yeah. our trainers are focused on data visualization and what's going on for the customer and what kind of data workflows are they doing? You know, and what, how do we help them draw their insights out and put them on a slide and let's talk about that and let's practice that. And all, all of those details are where the content is the whether or not the polls work are not something we want our instructors to be thinking about in that moment. They need mm-hmm. to be thinking about drawing those insights out of the data that our customers are trying to, you know, how do we now teach them that? So versus, for instance, oh, go ahead, finish. <laughs> oh, I was just saying that like, we really want our, our trainers focused on the content of the class mm-hmm. and the producers focusing on, um, you know, 
producing the right. experience. Okay. So are they both on camera and one's presenting and the other one is like managing the chat and running the stuff in the They back? do pop on camera from time to time. They're not on camera the entire time. We really mm-hmm. want to keep everyone's um, focus on the slides as well. Got it's it. a lot. It's a lot to juggle. Yeah. I'm impressed by them. Yeah, I believe it. I've um, <laughs> fallen into this kind of strange um, role uh, in the last year and a half where I have started, how do you say it? Hosting, I guess, um, mm-hmm. moderating maybe uh, a Zoom, an international Zoom meeting for professional entertainers and um, like like balloon artists and magicians and these people that get together. And I, my daughter is um, kind of into some of these things. I have actually got balloons on my office right now. Oh, that's um, awesome. Because I was hosting a meeting and we've got like people from, I think it's like seven or eight different time zones. We've got people on New Zealand, Australia, Germany, UK, you know, people who come from all over the US and Canada even. Um, and it's a lot to like, you know, spotlight the correct person and to make sure that things are happening in the chat that are, you know, like links or, you know, screen sharing or like all these different things. It's a lot to kind of keep this running. And I'm learning so much in the process, but I can see that the producer role would be really important. It is. It is. And we work with a couple of great partners that, you know, every, the, the producers really need to be Zoom or WebEx experts. They mm-hmm. need to be able to, um, I mean, in the early years, at, when I first joined TPC, it was people were coming on to a WebEx. I mean, Zoom didn't exist, but people mm-hmm. were coming onto a WebEx for the very first time. Yep. They needed to be taught how to bridge their audio in with their, their virtual presence. They need to be, you know, given a, a tour of the, of the annotation tools. Mm-hmm. It was r- really an important role that was almost like a mini training for 10 minutes around how oh, we yeah. can make this training effective. Now mm-hmm. people are so much more Zoom savvy mm-hmm. um, since COVID. It's a thing um, that the amount of people that people are using Zoom versus WebEx is sort of shocking how much mm-hmm. the tide is turning, but um, it's, it's still needs to be like, oh gosh, we had a, a Zoom disaster and everyone's audio was funky. How did we fix it? And I have so many stories around, um, you know, people MacGyvering a, <laughs> a solution up at three in the morning because mm-hmm. something didn't work. And then we all teams in our audio. And I mean, these people are just magical the way that they make it work. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool because you know what, how do you, how do you, the show must go on, right? Right. Yeah. So it sounds like they are live, that you have your instructor, your trainer doing a live presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, are you not using recordings at all? No, we do have an on-demand option, but um, it is complete in a completely different platform um, that's called NovoEd, and it is it is a a an interactive on-demand situation, but it's not the the live. Okay, it's not the live. I'm not a trainer. I'm 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 more on the other side of the cus- the company, but um, it's been really cool to watch the company grow, to watch how we reacted to COVID and to watch how in the last nine years since I joined and my 23 years in, in the training world, seeing 
the way that this technology has changed and, oh. and it's like driving business forward. And yeah. I mean, I used to have to, um, well, I used to have to mail everything when I first joined, um, mm-hmm. or when I first started working full-time in this industry. And I used to have to ask my boss to get off the internet line so I could dial in to download my email. We <laughs> used to have to share, share I, one yeah. phone line. That's nice. <laughs> So were you working in a physical office at that time together? I was, I was, that was like 1999 and Mm -hmm. I was working in a small office, um, in my hometown in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you originally started working from home and what that felt like and where you're at now? Sure. Absolutely. So for me, um, it's interesting because when I first met Lee and Janine, who are the co-founders of my company. I had coffee with them. We um, had been partners, uh, or they were partners with uh, the owners of my last company that I worked for. So I'd heard of them, the sisters. They're amazing at um, helping people with visuals and and virtual. I didn't I didn't know them, but um, an old colleague said you should you should call them up. They should call them up and, and, and see what they do because I needed to start working full time. And um, I did. And we had coffee and the timing wasn't quite right because my children were so young and they needed someone in the morning. But the preschool that we were involved in, we'd love so much and it wasn't going to work out. And then a year later, it was perfect timing for me and perfect timing for them. And I started working for them. But when I when I started working from home, it was again, on my laptop at coffee shops, using their Wi-Fi, dialing in, doing a little bit of um, like side work for my old employer, 10 hours a week. Okay. Um, so it wasn't really working from home, but I was working remote, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I needed to, I haven't worked in an office since. So my one-year-old then is now 15. He's a freshman in, in high school. And um, he's at Kung Fu practice right now. (laughs) And so I'll have to pick him up later. But um, it's funny, my children, I've been working from home in their eyes forever. And I was talking to a girlfriend yesterday and her daughter came in and and was talking to her. And she said, I know I'm on the phone right now. Um, I will help you. I'm not going to argue with you. I am on the phone right now. That's what I heard from the other end. And I thought my kids would never, ever interrupt me when I was on the phone. Like they know that if I'm on the phone, it's almost like I'm at the office silence phone comes into the, 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 the speaker phone in my car when I'm driving and it's like zip. And I can't control anything from them, but for some reason they got that one down. It's like, you know, some kids are like, they put on the seatbelt. It's never any problem for my kids. I lucked out. I have no idea how it happened. Cause <laughs> by God, this friend of mine is the best mother I know. And I was like cracking up. She was like, please, I'm on the phone. And I don't know. I lucked out. My kids know not when I'm on, not when I'm on. I wish I could learn that secret because I was very, very obviously on the phone the other day and my kids would not zip it. And I was like, after I hung up, I was like, if you ever see me do this hand motion where I clamp my hand shut, (laughs) That means you cannot speak right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard of people like putting one finger up, like, like over here on the mm-hmm. outside the camera, they put the finger up and then they mm-hmm. know that, that you can't do that. And, um, I mean, I've heard all the stories I've seen. Yeah. 
people. We have that code here when I'm on camera. If they try to open my office door, it just yeah. means I love you very much, but I'm not available <laughs> right now. And I can't wait to talk to you. And I, yeah. It's so interesting because it's not something like that work-life balance did not, like it was so separate when I was a kid. My parents were teachers. They went to school and then they came home. And when they were home, they were home. And when they were at school, they were at school. There was no interrupting them unless Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, there was no interrupting them, period. There was never an emergency where I was like, stop my father's classroom. You know, this is what's happening. Now, my fiance is a school teacher and he had to teach online last year for the first time. And he was like, I can grocery shop in the middle of the day. And it's shocking to him to have that balance. Whereas I've had that balance all along and I never realized how lucky I was. Never realized. Yeah. Cause I can grocery shop in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. I have that flexibility. And I also wake up at seven in the morning sometimes and have client calls. But you have a company that is giving you that flexibility and not all people that work from home can grocery shop in the middle of the day. I think you're Unless probably it's on right. a 30 minute. Oh, I, I lived it when I went to yeah. the clinic for all those years. It was very rigid. Oh, um, it was. Eventually I was able to negotiate a more flexible lunch hour, but it was a 30 minute lunch. Um, you would have to ask permission to take a 60 minute. And now they're giving people more flexibility. I negotiated it before other people, you know, had that flexibility because I was breastfeeding and I had a brand new newborn and I was, um, agreeing to continue working that third night shift that nobody wanted oh. when everyone else was given the option to leave it. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> it was an I, I scratch your back, you scratch mine situation. I had a, I had a good opportunity there and now they have, um, I interviewed a woman actually that I used to work with a long time ago. And she has told me now that, um, they're given a window of opportunity, like a 10 hour window to work their seven hour shift or something like that. That's interesting. Um, in my company, we have a culture of being on and available 8.30 to 5. Okay. Like you're on and you're available 8.30 to 5. And that's um, obviously slightly more than eight hours, but mm-hmm. there's also flexibility built in. I choose to work more like 7 to 4. That's when I'm available. Okay. Um, anyone can call me. I'm going to answer the phone. I'm going to text you right back. Mm-hmm. Work is number one. It's, it's kind of funny. It's like I'm 95% working during work hours and 5% homing and I'm 5% homing or I'm 95% homing and then 5% working during non-work hours. And is that's, that comfortable for you? It is. It is comfortable for me. And I think that we have a really honest and open conversation going about that around what the communication norms are and the expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, people have... Um, you know, I have email on my phone and I read my email. If I'm out at the grocery store and I'm in the line, I'm going to check my email or text somebody back. Um, on the weekends or holidays, or especially if you're on vacation, it is expected that you do not check in. I love like, that. Like no one will call you unless there is a, I, I can't, I mean, no one has called me when I'm on vacation, period. That's awesome. They would never. And I love that. So it's like there's this, um, when you're on, you're on. And when you're off, you're off. Okay. For me, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, but that's my own problem. My company <laughs> is very flexible. And um, I mean, they expect us to serve our customers and be there for them, but also take care of our families, right? Because our families sounds, are really what this is all about. It sounds like you're happy with that balance right now. I am. I mean, they're definitely... I would say this is interesting. 
in my particular role, and every role is different um, at my company, and I'm sure this is true for other companies as well, the work ebbs and flows. Some weeks you're like, wow, why do I have so much going on? And other weeks it's quiet. And um, as an anxious person, I'll be like, am I going to have a job next week? Why is it so quiet? It always comes back. It's like ebbing, flowing. And it's not the amount of business coming in. It's the amount of stuff I have going on, the amount of meetings I've said yes to or whatever. And um, there are times that I work 45, 50 hour weeks there are times when I'm like, gosh, I have time to do laundry during the day to day and that when, and, and rest. And I don't feel bad about that because I woke up at 7am every day last week. So it all evens out kind of, yeah, time, right? I can, I can go get a run in while it's yeah. light out and, or go work out with my weights, a Peloton you... workout or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think my last interview mentioned Peloton as well. Yeah. It's nice to like, they have little like 20 minute videos. You can like, you said something earlier in the conversation and you talked about getting dressed for the day and mm-hmm. that you have this space that you've curated for your office. Uh-huh. Um, is it the sort of thing where you, when you leave, you're done? I know you mentioned you keep your phone with you, but do you feel like you can close you know, your yeah. computer or, or shut it off or something like that and walk away? Absolutely. Um, I struggle with that sometimes, especially when I was in more of a sales role because um, it's exciting, right? You know, to get updates and like, re- especially early in the morning, you want to read like what the Europeans customers, do they get back to you? Oh, I'll right. like roll over and look at my phone immediately before I even put on my contacts or whatever, um, which is kind of crazy making. Um for me, I am able to really unplug. I only have my children half the time. I co-parent with my ex-husband and, right. um, and his wife. And, um, and I spend the rest of the time with my fiance. And we, when we're together, we're not working. We're sitting on the couch, reading a book, spending time with friends, mm-hmm. going on hikes, all of that. And um, in the summertime, he doesn't work at all because he's a teacher. Oh, right. And um, that's a little hard for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to go. I have to go to my office, even though mm-hmm. I work from home. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like sit in the bed with my laptop and call that work because that's, yeah. that's half work. It's not really working for me. It helps me mm-hmm. to really compartmentalize it. Mm-hmm. Hope that answers your question. I think that some people, again, it's going to be a personality and a workflow type thing. You know, yeah. some people feel like they are working hundred percent in bed. Um, yeah. I That's interesting. don't do well, um, working in my bed because what I do is I <laughs> turn my computer sideways and then I lay down and within about 10 minutes, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. watching Netflix, that would work for me. That wouldn't work. Yeah. No, I can't. So I, I do better, um, but I do move, I have to move around to different parts of the house just for, you know, being in the closet with no window and oh, a chair yeah. that I really should replace, you know, that um, I do need to just get out and, and I enjoy being in here when I'm talking with people, like it doesn't mm-hmm. close in on me, but if I'm just like working by myself, I would prefer to sit somewhere else. Yeah, I'm in a basement. I do have a window um, that I can see wildlife a little bit. Right now it's dark out because okay, um, yeah. it's 522 and it's mm-hmm. wintertime. So, but um, it's kind of fun. Sometimes I like a little squirrel will come in and like look at me or whatever, but it's not sunny. It's dark. It's cold down here. Yeah. So I have a heater. Even in the summertime, I have to turn on the heat. Um, it's Oregon. So, yeah, exactly. But I'll get out. Sometimes I go for a run. 
Um, not much right now because it's rainy and it can get dark, but um, I'll get out for a run or I'll run upstairs and eat in my kitchen instead of down here mm-hmm. um, or, you know, throw a load of laundry in or whatever. But for me, you know, or run, pick up my kids from school and, and then they, I don't know, play video games for the last hour of my workday. Yep. But for me, it's <laughs> how we very, roll. Yeah, it is. It's a little get, it gets, it gets a little murky before eight and after four, it's a little bit more mixed, like the Mm -hmm. paint of the day. And then, you know, later at night, but occasionally, um, like I talked about us being a global team, especially when we were small, there would be a problem. Someone can't get online. One of our trainers got COVID and, you know, thought she was going to be fine. And I'm like, wasn't fine. And we had to like make a solution and move trainers around and make sure our customers were taken care of. And she recovered and was fine a couple of weeks later. Good to hear. And there have been times when it's like run down to my desk, come online and be like, okay, what are we going to do? Okay. We saw this. Whew, okay. I can whatever, mm-hmm. or take a call at three in the morning, but um, those come few and far in between, just like there are family emergencies in the middle of the day. You have to take a kid to get a stitch in their arm because they cut themselves at school or whatever, you know, little things. But that happens even if you're working in a brick and mortar job or totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but I think that working for a small company where people have families and understand that we have real lives and we're not hiding that we're human beings. Um, it's still, you know, we're working with big corporations, but we're, we're humans talking to humans. And that's really what we're all about, right? Is how do you mm-hmm. relate to each other? So why hide that you have children or that working from home during COVID wasn't, wasn't hard because the kids were home. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's changed the storytelling. Gosh. Um, a couple of things. I have a couple of different ways I want to answer that question. Um, one is we started being on camera for the first time and that was um, not something that was happening as much. I think we had, we didn't, I didn't hide. I, didn't, I never really hit it, but it wasn't something that we talked about all the time or, or, or divulged that we worked from home because mm-hmm. it just didn't seem as professional as working from an office. Now mm-hmm. it's much more acceptable and you can almost joke around about it. Like, oh my gosh, I have to, my, I, sorry about the do- barking dog. Like a barking yeah. dog was humiliating because it showed that you were working from home or you think of that BBC guy who had the toddler come in and how oh, that yeah. was like a viral video. And now it's yep. like, yeah, no big deal. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of companies needing storytelling, I think that COVID has disrupted companies in so many different ways beyond just people working from home. I think that some consumer packaged goods, CPG companies um, went crazy, right? Because people bought food and didn't go out as much. So naturally they bought more, people bought more comfort food, people um, went crazy for toilet paper and sugar yeah, yeah, and flour. (laughs) There were supply chain issues. Don't even get me into the, you know, worldwide supply chain crisis. How are these people talking to each other and their customers to get business done in this completely, this completely new, ever-changing, 
crisis that were going on and then add on all, um, you know, the social unrest and the, the, the politics and the working from home and school and vaccination. Oh my gosh, nuts. So people are like craving connection more than ever right now. And I think we've been really lucky in that sense, but, um, I'll be honest in the first couple of weeks of COVID, I was afraid. I think everyone was afraid of like, what's going to happen to our little business. I really believe in what we're doing mm-hmm. now. You're, you know, gosh, it's been like almost two years. I'm like, wow, we've really grown. This is super special and I'm excited to be part of it. But so you've grown during this time. Yeah. Because the need for the storytelling was so big. Yeah, that, and we, I mean, we were in the middle of writing, um, um, Lee and Janine were in the middle of writing their book. Um, they had been, um, you know, a publisher, Wiley reached out to them and asked them to write the book. We, we, we did push back the release of it because we're like, surely COVID will be over, right? <laughs> we all thought that. By October, <laughs> surely. <laughs> it's just a two-week spring break. No, um, yeah, it's been really amazing. It's been an amazing ride. And not, nothing that I expected. Being virtual training experts certainly helped. There are people that reached out to us, our customers, who said, wait a minute, you've been amazing teaching us all about storytelling and data visualization, but now can you help our internal training teams and our salespeople relate virtually? How do we build, how do we move our content virtual? We need to go virtual right away. Wow. And we know you know how to do it help us. So there was consulting that we used to do and trainings that we used to do that needed to be, you know, updated for 2020 and um, be rolled out to training company, you know, like internal trainers at our clients to help to help them communicate virtually. So it was wild. It was a really wild adventure. And it's never a dull moment working for a small company, right? So trying to help teams like within a company, talk to each other, not just always the forward facing and like commercial t- style communication. Yeah. So you can imagine if, um, well, there's a couple ways I could answer that. You could imagine that a marketing team talking to a sales team should be able to communicate their ideas or mark, um, you know, data analysts need to be talking, talking to the marketing leaders yes. around what they're seeing and mm-hmm. why it matters and how it affects the marketing campaigns. So right. I would and be like an internal communication, right? And your huge corporations that you're working with, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that is really big and re- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot of people struggle in this area and they call us up and say, our, leaders are so frustrated. I had a, I had a, a VP tell me, he's like, he said, the side of my skull is flat from banging my head on the desk. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> These people are driving me nuts. Just, you know, fire hosing me with data and not telling me what it means or why I should care and what it is that they want me to know or do with this information. And now they have to do it virtually. So now they need to, it's even harder. So how do I engage my virtual audience? It's, it's, it's kind of a, a twofold problem. And I'm really passionate about helping them with that. So I, I'm lucky. I get, to, I get to have this life that's um, a little different. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't remember what it's like working in brick and mortar. 
Right. I don't remember. <laughs> you know, earlier you said something, uh, you know, how it used to be embarrassing if the dog would bark or if someone knew that you worked from home. And now it's almost like this badge of honor that your company is letting you because a lot of people are getting forced back into the office and they don't want to go. And so they're leaving their job and wanting to find another remote job and they're hard to find right now. They are. And it's funny because I met you through the um, remote, it was a Facebook group and yeah, remote working mamas, remote working mamas. And um, I had said, oh my gosh, our customer success team is growing. We're looking for some customer success specialists. Um, it's coming up live soon. And then I put the, I put the LinkedIn um, profile, the LinkedIn, uh, you know, place where you can, where you can apply on there. And we're interviewing people right now for a couple of roles at my company. Awesome. And um, it is, yeah, it's great. We're growing and we need talent. We need talent of, for people who want this lifestyle mm-hmm. and are passionate about relationships with customers, are wanting to work for a women-owned company that's growing. They they love the idea of storytelling and they ha- they like the idea of, of um, having that kind of an, I mean, I don't know, is, is working from home an alternative lifestyle? Not really, but I think it's going to become the norm. Um, I, I was actually talking to someone from Dubai a few weeks ago, I, I interviewed and he was saying that he thinks that that is the future of work. Now, obviously there are certain roles that will always have to be, you know, out and about, you know, people building buildings have to physically be there. To yeah. Do that. But um, that someday, instead of saying that I work from home, you just say I work. I work. Yeah. I never, I don't usually say that I work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like if someone asked me what I do for a living, I don't mention it. Um, I'm, maybe mm-hmm. I would now, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it's really relevant because I'm not, I'm not winging my day. I have an outlook calendar filled with mm-hmm. invites <laughs> and I have people I'm accountable for. I have customers who are waiting for meetings with me. And, you know, I take my PTO days and those are days off and I'm not working and days when I'm working, I'm expected to be there and I'm here in this office. Um, You don't want people to get any ideas that they can just drop in at any time, like you're just going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny when we first moved to Portland, we had a baby and then we had another baby two years later and my ex-husband worked from home. He had an office um, like through the university, mm-hmm. but didn't like working there. And he would just kind of work wherever. And eventually he got like this um, Westphalia van that had one of those like um, booths, like a breakfast booth in it and would work in the van. Like that was no his place. I, I have no yeah. idea what you're saying. What kind of van? Like a um, like a VW like camper van what? with a with a um, with a like a drop down table. And um, I interviewed someone yesterday that uh, took the interview from um, the inside of her like sprinter van, and I was super jealous. I was like van life. I was amazed and impressed. I was like, I want that lifestyle. Maybe I can work like that, but I can't. I need an office. Mm-hmm. So. I am home, but I'm in my office, so I might as well be in a brick and mortar. I just happen to live really close upstairs. (laughs) Well, there are some people who, you know, the line is burned. And I do interview people who are digital nomads or who work from anywhere. Some people work from a co-working space because they feel that need to leave, you know, home and be present Mm -hmm. at a desk somewhere Mm -hmm. away from their family. Um, And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the fact that some people... Uh, you know, consider working remotely to be, you know, whatever they're going to describe it as. But um, yeah, when I worked from, for, for Mayo, it was, 
I don't know, like, I, I never felt like there was a stigma because I always felt like there was that, you know, all of my other, you know, mom friends were like, I wish I could do what you're doing. But I think there's just some sometimes confusion <laughs> about, you know, what it means. I think that that's true. I remember there was an employee at my company who didn't work in the same, like, we didn't work on projects together. Um, she was brand new and it was when we were really small and she called me and she had, she said she had a five and an eight-year-old daughters. And she said, what do you do with your children all summer? I'm like, they're in camps and they, they have daycare. And she was like, oh, I just figured out that I figured that they'd be fine. They'd be good. They're pretty, they're pretty good. And I was like, no, this is a, this is a full-time job you're, you're working. And I think that that was, um, that didn't go over well. And I thought that's weird. Like this is a, this is a night, this is like a 40 hour professional job. We're, we're working with these huge companies. No, you can't yeah. like, I mean, yeah, there is running the dog out for a walk when you would be mm-hmm. taking your 10 minute break and, and yeah. to go out for coffee anyway. But there is, there is a level of accountability that's expected. And yeah. I, I sometimes that makes me nervous, like as an anxious person, like, oh, is it okay if I run, go pick up my groceries or whatever. But I know that I personally put in enough hours that if anyone's winning on, on this like balance, it's my company. <laughs> yeah. So- I think it's just really important for people to kind of get a feeling for that culture. Like, you know, if you want to be a freelancer or if you want to work from anywhere at any time that you feel like, then you're going to need to find the kind of work where you can do that. And you are your own boss probably. Um, And if you're going to be hired by some remote company that is expecting you to work 40 hours a week and log in and be available, um, you know, don't think that you're going to be able to watch your newborn baby and toddler running around the whole time. So (laughs) yeah. I mean, some people just have that, you know, misconception and you need to just know, like, what is this job going to entail before you agree to work it? Yeah. And I think, and I think this is something that like lesson learned about that, like, oh, that was a miscommunication in the interviewing process with that Mm -hmm. employee. Um, And how can I, as the hiring manager for customer success, as we're growing, because we're, we're, we're growing my team right now, Mm -hmm. how can I be having those conversations and making clear what the expectations are without um, sounding like, oh, this is an uptight situation, but no, this is a professional job and um, it's a full-time role. And that means that you're working during those hours and um, yes, there's flex time, but it's kind of earned. I don't, yeah. I don't mean to sound, um, you know, it's, it's, it's earned with, with trust over time, you know, that yeah. the, 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 the reins loosen, like no one's like, where mm-hmm. are you, Katie? It's like, I'm available all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I always think about all these different things I've seen. I, I remember talking to an executive at Uber and there was messy laundry in the background on a bed. And I, I thought it was interesting that you were like, oh, it's so, you know, some of these people don't have the, the privilege of having office space. That's absolutely true. I was like, I think this guy had office space and like, just didn't care. And he was like, all this laundry or forgot to turn on the thing. And I just thought it was so funny. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to be in that space. So I think working from home is about remembering your business acumen and remembering we're all human and so we do have lives. We do have dogs and ringing doorbells and maybe even laundry. 
but how do we also make sure that people are comfortable talking to us and maintaining those healthy boundaries? If someone is considering working from home for the first time, I always ask this at the end of mm. my interviews. If someone's thinking about it for the first time, do you have any advice, um, something that we haven't already mentioned, uh, or may- maybe the people that were stuck working temporarily that are c- trying to think about if they can make this their permanent lifestyle, what would you recommend? For me, I think um, really, you know, having those honest, open conversations with your employer around what the expectations are so that nobody's guessing. For me, it does really help to, um, you know, get up and get ready for work and, and see how that feels and then start there and then relax to where you feel for your role that you can um, stay focused and set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. I think that everybody's different and focus and um, commitment and accountability is sometimes a challenge for people if they're at home with distractions like music or TV or whatever. So start with a more strict regimen and then roll back from there and see how you do. Right. Uh, you, you mentioned that you were hiring a manager for your team and you're growing. I am. Uh, are you finding a lot of people uh, that interview for positions like this with remote experience or is it going to be the first time for some people or do people even divulge that during the interview? That's a really good question. I interviewed five or six people in the last couple of weeks. One person asked me if we provided all the equipment and I thought like, oh my gosh, of course we do. Like, no, you don't have to buy your own computer. Yeah. And it didn't even occur to me that would even come up. And I was like, no, you don't have to start working for us and cough up, I don't know, $3,000 or whatever. I don't know what, what the whole setup costs, but Mm -hmm. you know, for the computer and logging in or whatever, um, you know, we provide that just as you would, um, at a, at a regular company. I think, um, other people, I mean, mostly now with COVID everyone's worked from home. Um, I would say it's a mix, a mix in terms of people's, I think everyone has experience now, but again, working from home means different things to different people. And I think after this conversation, especially I'm going to do, a good job as a manager talking about what that really means for our company because mm-hmm. they might not be they might be thinking it means something else right well when i started my remote work uh position originally for Mayo clinic which would be like oh my gosh 13 years ago there was a contract i think that we had to sign you know that specified certain things like that um that we would notify our friends and family that we were having working hours and that we would provide child care you know if we had young toddler you know, aged kids and things like that. Um, and, and things about our workspace that we would have safety things. And I think, you know, um, not all companies provide any help <laughs> towards those people that are making that adjustment for the first time. I think that it's important. I mean, my boss talked to me, um, she's one of our co-founders and she was like, look, uh, 
this is unprecedented times mm -hmm. COVID started. Yep. And I just want you to know that you can do flex time. And when we decided to pull our kids out of public school and mm -hmm. homeschool them for a year, yep. I was very grateful for my co-parenting model and my family model. That's a little bit different than other people's families mm -hmm. and where I had like other adults helping my children mm -hmm. with their school. But my, my company also was very supportive. I took Monday afternoons off. I taught my kids Spanish and um, I was um, not very good at it. I'm not a good teacher as it turns out, but in the end we played a lot of Spanish bingo mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was really fun. And um, you know, we, we did okay, but it was all about, you know, how do we keep them off the video games and TV yeah. and keep them learning? And we would go on long walks and hikes. And I started work really early on Monday mornings and that was no problem. We worked with European customers. It was great to get, to be like, Hey, I'm available to do this. So I was still making up my hours, but I was basically had my time blocked off mm -hmm. so that, so that, um, my, that my company knew, I was not working during those hours because I was with my children. But you were taking one for the team and being available in those very early morning hours too. So it was really- That's true. Oh yeah. Yeah. But they were flexible. They weren't like, you have to be here during these hours mm -hmm. and this is what we're doing. You know, and everyone's business, it was so crazy how people had to flex. I mean, my sister is a hairdresser and she started teaching people how to cut their own hair over Zoom. And they were such, they, it was such a popular campaign. She got written up in the New York Times, crazy. And now <laughs> I'm her virtual producer for haircutting nice. lessons I, where people were a... like razor cutting their hair <laughs> and like fancy shags that look like Miley Cyrus or something. It's nuts. I did a self-inflicted haircut during the pandemic one time and oh. I cut, I cut my daughter's hair one time. Um, both of ours turned out okay, but my son kept asking me for a haircut and I was like, buddy, unless you want a buzz cut, like daddy's been doing for himself all year and a half. I'm like, I can't do it. Like his hair just basically went from like a short boy haircut to like Jesus. <laughs> 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 and like, I think the week before school started, we put them back in public school. We game schooled for five months. I took them out after the hundredth day of school. After our school stopped getting funds for our kids, I was just like, "We're done. I'm I'm done wrestling three different calendars, um, schedules, and all these you know Echo Dot alarms going off all day, telling me that this kid has to get to math class and this kid has to get to you know social studies or something like that." I was like, "I'm done. I'm just going to be in charge." So and it it worked for us. I mean, they did fine. Uh, Academically, they're ahead of the curve, mine are, and um, socially they're doing fine. I said, I'm going to stay out of your hair if you get A's and B's. Mm -hmm. If you get, if you're not getting A's and B's, then you're going to have to make me keep track. And I got enough stuff to keep track of at yeah. work too. Yeah. Um, so please keep track, please. And yes. one of them needs help in one, in one, in one math class. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm helping her. But, um, yeah, we are back in public school now. And one of my kids is getting tutored by my husband who is really smart at math. So yeah, <laughs> just, um, you know what we, we made it, we made it through, we all still love each other and yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we head out? No, um, I, it's funny when I first started walking, I'm um, working from home. What I can say is, is it was some adjusting but for me, the balance is, is so nice, not having the commute and being able to um, have kind of a different, different lifestyle and never like in a different industry, in a different, you know, something I could have never imagined when I was in college in the 90s. Yep. And like 
to give it a try. I think people should give it a try and, and, and have those honest conversation around what the expectations are with their employers. Like it. And just be aware that there are so many different models of working from home. Exactly. We've been talking about, like I have interviewed over 70 people now, I think, and every single person has a different experience. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to do what works for you because every family is different. The way your house is laid out really matters. Mm -hmm. I have had at times needed to, uh, I've thought about like renting a remote workspace because my mother lived with me and she, it was like too much of a distraction. I was like, maybe I need to leave, but um, having an office is, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. All right. Well, thank you (laughs) so much, Katie. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to meet and how can people find you or uh, learn more about the presentation company? We're um, presentation-company.com, and my name is Katie Matthews, and um, I'm on LinkedIn, and um, you, if you can find out definitely more about the type of work we do at presentation-company.com. There's information about our on-demand and virtual trainings and, and the different topics that we work with, Sounds types, great. Of, types of clients it, we work with. Yeah. We will add all of that into the show notes. If anybody wants to find the show notes, you just go to www yes, I work from home.com forward slash podcast forward slash episodes. And you can actually go ahead and click on any one of these, um, these episodes and find the, the audio version, the YouTube version, as well as the show notes where we summarize, uh, kind of basically take her bio and I'll merge it with some of the topics that we talked about. I'm not doing a full transcript right now, just because that was a little bit too much more than I could bite off and I bet. set my boundaries <laughs> there. So something I thought was really going to be important early on, and I probably will bring back again someday, but yeah, well, thank you so much, Katie. And we'll, I'll sign off. I'll say this is Katie Matthews with April Malone and yes, I work from home and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm.